Welcome back to another exciting week in the Web3 universe. I'm your host, The Mayor, and you're listening to the best NFT media-nominated NFT and Chill podcast, the show that discusses interesting topics with artists, creators, and thought leaders from the Web3 space. On this week's episode, we got Decline from NFP, and he'll be talking about what it's like being an artist in this space and where the market is right now. So sit back and chill. Well, we explore the exciting world of NFTs together. Who I have with me today is a friend of mine in the space. He is from the NFP podcast, Decline. Want to give yourself an introduction? Sure. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Decline. Yeah. It's nice to meet with you again. Yeah. I've been, uh, let's see, how far back do I want to go here? What are you doing right now in the space? What irons do you have in the fire? I have multiple irons in the fire. I am a podcast host, which I love. It's just fun. I never get tired of talking about this stuff. Ask anybody in my real life. (laughs) They don't necessarily want to hear about it though. That's why I do the podcast because that's people who actually are interested. Uh, so I have the the podcast, which I do usually three shows a week, unless there happens to be someone I come across and we both say, hey, let's do a show. And I'm maybe throwing an extra one somewhere. I also am a writer. I've written about crypto since 2017, when it was the first big kind of, whoa, what's this Bitcoin thing in news? And, uh, you know, it hit 20K for the first time, right, right close to where it is now, actually. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's another story. So I started writing about it that summer before it really went nuts. I think it was like $3,000 or something like that. Currently, I write with Cointelegraph on and on as a freelance, although I haven't written for them lately simply because I've been busy with the podcast and with art because I'm also an artist and I'm always making art. I don't always mint it. Like I make art daily and I do sell art on a number of platforms, including Known Origin, Maker's Place, Foundation, OpenSea. And I also have a unique kind of PFP collectible zombies set that's on the Koi network. That's uh, kind of a really fun experimental. I call it experimental because I was the first, and this is, I know everybody says they're the first at things. I was first to make these uh, attention-seeking NFTs where when you show these NFTs to people and they click on them to look at them, the owner earns attention tokens. I got my uh, irons in lots of different fires, but the art is probably the one I'm the most passionate about. I've done art since I was a little kid, you know, comic book type stuff, superheroes. And as an artist in the NFT space, my first popular work was zombies. So that's why I did the collection. But I've also done work where I do the opposite and I do like really pretty things, beautiful feminine figures and portraits and Between the two, I actually probably do more of the pretty stuff, though I still enjoy making the occasional grotesque image. I'm also a teacher in my real life. Kids know I'm a huge nerd. And if they ever want to get me off topic in class, they'll ask me what's an NFT. It definitely seems if you are in the NFT space or Web3 in general, you know, you have multiple irons in the fire. You know, it's not a regular nine to five. There really isn't a structure for when you are doing your work or, you know, because there's people all over the globe. It's GM somewhere. Yeah, it seems you just have to put yourself out there and get yourself involved with whatever you can in the space. And that's what I kind of love about it. Like you'll have people DMing you about this and that. And, you know, if you can get involved with that, do it because you never know where it might lead you to. So I think that's pretty cool about Mm. the space. 
Well, the big, big part of that is the connection, right? Like, and let's face it, when we're creating art, we're connecting with people. That's what it's about is people seeing something that's coming from you, right? At, at least in my experience as an artist, I'm expressing something about myself and someone else out there is connecting with it. It's a good feeling when they say, oh, this really resonates me or when they really like it, or of course, when they buy it, you know, because you feel like, okay, I made a strong connection with that person. That connecting is, it's a natural human desire. That's what you want to do. You want to connect with people. Art is one way that happens. And again, the writing and the podcast, they're just different ways to connect that I feel are positive ways to connect, you know, and I've talked about this before on other shows. Were you an artist before crypto and NFTs and Web3? I've created art since I was a little kid. In terms of being a professional artist, no, I did teach art, but I never really sold art. Well, that's what's so great about the space is people who didn't have the ability to market their art and were creative and were creators can come in and have people actually buy what they're they're creating. It's a dream and anybody can get in. It's just the biggest issue is finding people to buy, building a following and building a community around your art and your creation. Because it's not always art. As an artist yourself, how was the process of finding people who wanted your art and purchased your art and kind of building a following? I think the podcast was probably one of the most effective tools in terms of getting to know other artists in the space at first, because that was my goal was to have artists on the show initially. And that was just something where I would collaborate with people then. I've never really seen it as a competitive thing. Like, you know, if someone else does well, great, good for you. If there's some PFP collection out there that's kicking ass and I'm not selling, okay, well, good for them. You know, I mean, it's, I don't think it's because of them that I'm not selling my art. If that's at that time that I'm not selling, they're different buyers, right? The person who's buying a, a, a one of one creation of mine is probably not the same person that's buying a PFP necessarily. No, that's not always the case. I've had some who I know. For example, I know people who own Basefish Mafia that own my art. So there are overlaps. In terms of getting into the space, probably the best social media tool is Twitter. I still feel like Twitter's the best. I know a lot of people use Instagram. I know they're getting to the NFT space soon from what I've heard. Maybe that's going to be a big thing or maybe it's going to be kind of like Coinbase NFT where it's kind of like, huh, what was that? Like that was a big deal for about two days. Whole Instagram thing. They do want to incorporate a marketplace from what I understand. So it is a very image driven platform. It'll be interesting to see what they do and if they fumble the ball. It's just, I find with Twitter, it's easier to reply to people in an authentic way to carry on little conversations with people, to move it over to direct messages, to hop onto other platforms. Like for example, on Instagram, if I post a picture there, it's really difficult actually for somebody to go and find it on in a gallery, right? Like, whereas on Twitter, I can just send them a link right there in the tweet. Now that does tend to get buried by the algorithms a little bit. I've I've found I get much higher engagement if I just put a picture with like the title with no link. If you put a link in that tweet with the image, it will get suppressed. It will not get near the same traffic. I just put a picture on Twitter, gets 40, 50 likes. Uh, I have about 10,000 followers. If I put the picture there with a link, three likes, four likes. There's something going on there. I don't know. They don't like you leaving Twitter, right? They want you to stay in Twitter. I think that that's a great point. Twitter's algorithm is, is different too. Like I, I pretty much have TikTok's algorithm down. I'm going to flip one on you and interview you, you now. I've never used TikTok as an artist. Is it worthwhile for me to get onto TikTok and start connecting there? Okay, so TikTok, like crypto and NFT TikTok is actually growing. 
there's more, you know, more and more people are venturing to that platform. There is a little bit of a niche for crypto and NFTs and Web3. You know, my policy is to cast a wide net. I actually think it is a solid platform. The attention spans are very short. The algorithm there is 15 to 30 second videos. You know, the more engagement a post gets, the more it goes back to the For You page. That's where everybody's going to see it. So like if you find your post is not getting any more views, like the ticker has done counted for like a day. If somebody likes it or comments on it or watches it, then it recycles back to the For You page and it will start getting more uh, views. So yeah, TikTok definitely has a, um, it's got a pretty simple algorithm. See, now my thought is I could specialize the TikTok when I draw on my iPad with Procreate. It always saves a video of the whole drawing process. What I could do is just have all videos of the process from beginning to end of me creating a piece. That could be like my TikTok. That would be very cool, especially from like an artist standpoint. I think people would enjoy seeing you create. And that goes for any artist out there who's listening. You know, I think what you said, creating and building relationships, whether that be with other artists. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, just people in the space. That's the the way you get into the space. And if you want to create something, you've got to build relationships. For sure. Because when people buy one-of-one art, they're buying it because there's some connection with the artist, usually. It's not strictly because the art is nice. I mean, obviously, that's a part of it. But I do feel like there's a more priority on the person themselves when they're buying that art. Yeah. And like knowing their story and like why they're doing it. I think that resonates with a lot of people, too. You don't have to have a podcast like Decline here. Just building relationships and with other artists is great too, because other artists buy each other's art. I can't make art. Like, I know you've told me maybe I can glitch some photos. Actually, I took a really good photo. You could find your, your genre. I just, I really enjoy that. Are you a poetic? <laughs> no, I'm not. Well, it depends what kind of poetic you mean. <laughs> You know, that's why I created the podcast. And it was really to connect with people, like you said. Also, I, I enjoy the kind of back and forth, you know, the education part and kind of bring awareness to the Web3 space and everything that's going on here. I think that's the coolest part. Yeah. And I mean, I admit for me, it is a bit of an obsession. Like, OK, you're talking about someone who got into it in 2017 and literally one to two hours a day, every day for probably a year and a half, two years, just because I was obsessed with it. And at that time, I wasn't making any NFTs because I didn't know anything about NFTs, except that there were like crypto kitties. But I had no understanding of them being something I could create and sell. So I am that type of personality that when I get into something, I really get into something now. I think everybody probably has their thing, though. You know, and the reality is, like with NFTs, it can be pretty much any medium that can be digitized. Oh, yeah, definitely. Somebody was doing like Bible verses. And I don't, I don't see my whole thing with the Bible verses is like, does God have a copyright on that? I don't know. Like, (laughs) is it trademarked? (laughs) That probably is copyrighted by some Bible company. Is Gideon's going to come after them? (laughs) I don't know. Bible's got to be Creative Commons, no? Statute of whatever that is has got to run out by now. Yeah, the, the, the trademark has run its course. You know, people are creating and they're figuring out ways to use blockchain technology. And I think that's that's incredible. For sure. You know, and there's a lot of talk of, oh, it has to have utility, has to have utility. You know, and it, yeah, granted, if it has utility, that is a value add 100%, unquestionably. You know, at the same time, I feel like, you know what, but if you just like the art, then the art's the utility and that's cool. You know, I think it's just wide open in terms of what you can do with it. 
Oh yeah. I mean, the space is really still in its infancy. It's very like disorganized and everybody's kind of scrambling and trying to figure out <laughs> what's going on. I feel like that all the time in the space because it's not structured. Mm. It is, it is in its infancy. What do you think of the market right now? I mean, if you look on statistics, there's not a lot of buying action happening. No, there isn't. The market is is in free fall. And that's not just in crypto and, you know, Web3. We're definitely in a rough patch. This is the time to, to build, in, in my opinion. There is still a lot of building going on in the space. And there's a lot of building going on behind the scenes. And that's with big companies and big players in the space are still building right now. And I'm sure there's not a whole lot of buying. But people are still building. And I think people who are here that are building something are here for the right reasons and are going to be better for it. I think it's the best time to build. 100%. It's the best time to build. If you're thinking about, mm, I think I want to get into NFTs, do it now. Like try stuff now. You have no pressure financially. Like just assume you're not going to make any sales. Blue chip NFT people aren't making sales right now. So don't have any pressure there, right? Instead, just explore, experiment, try things. And there's really no danger right now. It's just a matter of, hey, I think I want to try this, you know? So to me, it's the best time. Oh, yeah. I mean, and there are really great projects that are at a discount. They're building their communities. They're figuring out ways to use this technology while this market is in a downtrend. The market is down. That is the best time to buy. Yeah, it's funny because, of course, you know, I'm known as like the crypto guy in my circles and the amount of people that when it was just booming, Bitcoin was how much? $70,000 or something like, oh, oh, I'm thinking of buying Bitcoin. And I'm like, okay, it's literally the highest it has ever been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and yeah, you know, I, I say long term, it's going to go up. I think they went ahead and bought it because you just can't resist that FOMO. Those same people would have been like, oh, you were so lucky that, you know, you bought this or that when it was only $20,000. It's like, well, are you going to buy it now? Yeah. That's the exact point. The retail investor, the everyday person investing, they tend to buy when it's going up at its peaks yes. because that's where the FOMO, that's where the emotions come in. And the institutions and the big players are buying all the way down. So when it does go back up, they're making a killing. Retail investors seem to be the opposite. They they sell down when it goes down and they buy when it shoots up. And sure. it takes a long time to figure out that that's not the way you're supposed to do things. You can even know it mentally and still not yeah. be able to fight it when it comes yeah. to the actual action of buying or selling. Well, and it's because money and like investments mean a lot more to the retail investor. You know, I used to play a lot of poker and I would go and play in places like Vegas or whatever. And when you're playing, you know, at home with your friends for five bucks, I would bluff probably 10 times more often. I would play more hands. I would play terrible hands. But then you get to a place where you're like, oh, I've actually got, you know, a few hundred bucks or whatever it was. There's a little more pressure. Are you going to bluff then? It's a lot harder to bluff. You know, for example, it's a lot harder to go all in. It's real money. Even though you can know in your head, oh, this is a winning hand or whatever the situation. It's still hard to bet the right way when you are putting real money on the line. Yeah, that, that, honestly, the poker analogy is, is is absolutely perfect for investing it as a whole. Rolling your emotions is very hard. What would you say to somebody who is coming into the space in this down market as an artist or even just as a collector? What would be some advice? As a collector, I think it's the perfect time to be here and look around at stuff you like. 
and look at what price it was a number of months ago and look at where it is now and realize, and this is, I'm not giving financial advice here. I want to make that clear. You have a very risk off market right now everywhere. So people are not buying these sorts of things right now. But if it's art you really like, you're in a good position now to pick it up for and to learn about them and not be in a big rush to buy, but also know that you're getting a bargain basement price at this point, basically on a lot of work. You know, like for example, even myself, if I have a piece that I'm selling for one ETH and you're entering now with cash, well, you're getting it like half price from what it was a few weeks ago. On the artist side, I think, like I said before, it's a time of no pressure. It's a time of exploration. It's a time of trying things. For example, I work with the Koi Network. It's a great time to go over there and check that out and try it and play with things, have fun minting stuff, trying stuff out on, on blockchains like Tezos, for example. You could do that, which is very, very cheap. And just enjoy experimenting. Create collections and see what clicks, see what you like. I wouldn't have a lot of expectations for sales right now because even the big people are not selling right now. So that just, in some ways, to me, it makes it, if I was just starting, it would just be a more free feeling. You make something um, like on Tezos that's very cheap. Like maybe you make a hundred copies of something and sell them for half a Tezos each or something and see if there's interest, right? Yeah, I think that's a great point. There is no pressure coming into the space, especially if you are a collector or an artist. If an artist comes into the space, now is the time to build your following. Build your social equity on Twitter and some of these platforms. Uh, jump into Twitter spaces. Tell people who you are and why you're doing it. Build some relationships. Buy some NFTs. Join those communities. You're getting in at a crazy discount right now. It's a lot lower risk. Buy some art from another artist. You join their community. You get to know them. They support you. You support them. I think that's, that's how the ecosystem and the community gets created. Build your presence in the space. Do you think you need to be more cautious now that there are people out there trying to take advantage of people that are maybe feeling a little more desperate right now? So you will see more people on things like Twitter saying, oh, you know, drop your NFTs here because I might buy it or whatever. And they have no intention of buying your NFT. Or I get it on Instagram where people will be saying, hey, I'd like to hire you to make a piece of art. You know, I'm just going to send you an archived file here, you know, or a zip file so that, you know, you can uh, agree to this. That's a scam. Don't yeah. do it. And there's more of that when people are facing difficult times. Uh, there's more people trying to prey on that desperation. So you do have to be careful. Yeah, that's great advice. Decline. I really appreciate you coming on. Always a pleasure getting to have a conversation with you and just seeing what you're doing in this space. I constantly see your art on Twitter. The podcast is awesome. If anybody's out there and hasn't uh, checked out NFP, it's a good one for sure. Thanks, Ed. Well, and I got to have you back on the show now too. You got to come join me on NFP again. That would be perfect. Well, Decline, it is always a pleasure. And I'm sure my listeners are going to love all the information you gave. So I appreciate it. Right on. Thanks for having me. So that's it for this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Decline, for coming on. Always enjoy our chats. And again, we just hit 10,000 downloads for this podcast. And I'm literally blown away by all the support and so grateful for everyone listening. I have a vision for this podcast and I think, you know, the listeners see it too. And I'm just, I'm very grateful. Also, I'll be speaking at DecentralCon in Austin, Texas, June 7th and 8th. And I'm absolutely stoked and it wouldn't be possible without the success of this podcast. So I want to thank everyone. And if anybody is planning on going to DecentralCon, I will leave a link in the show notes for you to get 30% off your tickets. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode. 
I'm the mayor, and you've been listening to the NFT and Chill podcast. 